Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for what you've already done, Father. You've already started breaking the chains in our lives, Father, that we can shake those shackles off right now and walk in your freedom. Father, I thank you that you are mending the cracks in our giving right now, Father. You're showing us opportunities to give to your kingdom, Father. I thank you that your word today, it will not return void, but it will accomplish exactly what it's supposed to do in our lives. Father, I thank you that right now it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit today that you are already here and you're already moving and you're already working in people's myths, that you know the issues that they came in with. And Father, we ask for peace that passes all understanding to guard their hearts and minds through Christ Jesus right now, that they are anxious and absolutely nothing. But they will just sit here and relax in the presence of God and they will be ministered to today. They will experience you today. They will hear your voice today. And out of my belly will flow rivers of living water and we will encounter you and hear your voice today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Um, in my family's life, on my, my dad's side, um, there's, there's a lot of people that are in the military. Um, for those who've been coming for a while, you know that my grandfather recently passed about two or three months ago, and he, uh, he did some time in the Army, and he did a majority of his time in the Air Force, and um, I have a cousin who's a, a Marine, and my dad was it's kind of a similar story for me and my dad. My, my dad uh, went to join the Navy and uh, go on a, a nuclear submarine when the program just started back in the 80s, um, which is kind of weird because he doesn't know how to swim. I don't know how that works, um, but he passed that down to me, and uh, we're working through that too. And um, so when I was getting out of uh, college, I was going to join the Air Force, and uh, my dad got saved. He had already got sworn in, and he got saved, and he said, you know what, I can't, I can't go um, Jesus called me, and uh, he, he backed out, and, uh, and through that path, he met my mom. And, uh, and I was going to join the Air Force once I graduated from college, and, and God kind of uh, moved in my life. I say kind of. He really moved in my life, and, uh, and I ended up going to Bible school, and going through that path, I met my wife. It's kind of a similar story, me and my dad, but uh, there's a lot of military in the family, and um, I want to talk about Number one, the Rifleman's Creed that the Marines quote and have to know. This is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. My rifle is my best friend. It is my life. I must master it as I master my life. My rifle without me is useless. Without my rifle, I am useless. I must fire my rifle true. I must shoot straighter than any enemy who's trying to kill me. I must shoot him before he shoots me, I will. My rifle and myself know that what counts in this war is not the rounds we fire, the noise of our bursts, nor the smoke we make. We know that it is the hits that count we will hit. My rifle is human, even as I, because it is my life. Thus, I will learn it as a brother. I will learn its weakness, I will learn its strength, its parts, its accessories, its sights, and its barrel. I will ever guard it against the ravages of weather and damage, as I will guard my legs, my arms, my eyes, my heart against damage. I will keep my rifle clean and ready. We will become part of each other. We will. Before God, I swear this creed, my rifle and myself are the defenders of my country. We are the masters of our enemy. We are the saviors of my life. So be it until victory is America's and there is no enemy but peace. Amen. 
Sorry if you're not a fan of the Second Amendment right there. You are probably angry. <laughs> the motto for a Marine is that he's a rifleman first. That out of everything that he does, out of every job that he does, he's a rifleman first, and he has to quote and know the rifleman's creed. That he could be in the artillery, he could be driving a tank, he could be flying a plane, he could be a cook, he could be typing on a typewriter, but if he's a Marine, he's a rifleman. That's what he is first. And tonight, I want to remind you and talk to you that first and foremost, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. I want to remind you that it doesn't matter who you are out there in the world. You're a CEO. If you're in the military. If you're in the ministry. If you're in the fivefold, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Tonight, I want to remind you that first and foremost, you are a son and the daughter of the Most High. It says in Galatians 4, 4 through 7, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, verse 5, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then the heir of God through Christ. Romans 8, 14 through 17, almost says the same exact thing. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. Verse 15, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Our relationship is the most important thing when it comes to Christianity. And today I want to kind of go on a journey on the life of John and highlight some of his scriptures and some of his experiences because John understood the relationship aspect of being with Jesus. John understood, I mean, he writes in his own book that he is the disciple whom Jesus loved. He understood the importance of, but no matter what else is going on, whether I'm a fisherman, whether I'm a disciple, whether I'm whatever, I'm first a son. I'm first the one that he loves. And I want to remind you of the importance of that relationship because God has always been about the individual relationship. He's always wanted you. Not the person to your left or right. He does want them. But he wants you. He wants a relationship with you. Now, you might be asking right now, well, how do you know that? It's a valid question. Great question. So glad you asked today. At the beginning of time, at the beginning of the Scriptures in Genesis chapter 3, we see that it says God came down at the cool of the day to spend time with Adam and Eve. Talked about this before, that if I'm God, I'm staying up in heaven, and you're coming up to me. For two people? I don't have time for that. I've got the eternity to deal with. So if you're down there on earth, you come up to me. But that's not God. God's always been about the personal relationship. And God comes down to Adam and Eve. And then all of a sudden, sin happens and the relationship is broken. God says, it's okay. Before the foundation of the world, the son has already been slain. He said, I've already got a plan. I'm going to send my son down to the earth. We all know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave 
And here is his son walking among men again, building a relationship, talking with them, showing them the Father, showing them the relationship to the Father. And he tells them, I can't stay here. It's not good for me to be here, but I'm going to send somebody else. You're not going to be alone. So Jesus, here he goes, back up. But God, still caring about the relationship, says, I've sent myself, I've sent my son, and now I'm going to spend the Holy Spirit to not only dwell on the earth, but to dwell inside of you. And here comes the Holy Spirit. And here we are right now in that time. The Holy Spirit dwells in each and every one of us so that we can now have a relationship and call Him Abba Father, that I can be anywhere in the world. I don't have to be like the woman with the issue of blood searching. Excuse me, have you seen Jesus? Is He here? Is He here in this village? He's not? Okay, I'll go over here. I must find Him. Now we no longer have to look and barely touch the hem of His garment. Now at any point in time when I need help, when I need answers, Abba Father, answer me. And the relationship is there. Now eventually God is going to get tired of sending Himself down to the earth. And the exciting thing is one day He's going to look to His Son and He's going to say, I'm tired of going down there and getting them. Go get them one more time and bring them up to me. And for all of eternity, we will maintain that relationship with the Father. It's always been about relationship. It's always been about you. It's always been about maintaining. God has done everything He can to establish a relationship with us. Now it's up to us to pursue that relationship. Well, I don't know if God cares or God loves me. Were you not just listening? He sent every, every available avenue down to earth to save you, to restore you to help you, to heal you, to, to bring you out of whatever you're dealing with. And now it's our job to pursue that relationship in every way imaginable. Because first, I'm a son. I might be a pastor. I might be a father. I might be a son. I might be a husband. I might be all of those things in the world, but first, I'm his son. And that's the most important thing. And we see... <clears throat> that when we understand our personal relationship, when we understand how important that relationship is, how intimate that relationship is, the opportunity that we have, then all of a sudden, things start changing. Your individual life starts changing. Your marriage starts changing. Your family starts changing. The church starts changing. The community starts changing. That's what God had all along. Is I can have that relationship with Him, then all of a sudden, there's a ripple effect that changes the world. And we see the story that we're going to read through is John chapter 12, 12 through 19, where it talks about Jesus entering in to Jerusalem as He comes in on the donkey. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on His way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet Him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter. Zion, see your King is coming. Seated on a donkey colt. Verse 16, At first His disciples did not understand all of this. This is John writing. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about Him. 
that these things had been done to him. Verse 17, now the crowd that was with him when he, when he was with them when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continue to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. The title of my message is How to Go After Him. The three things we're going to discuss is to reminisce, to encounter, and to view. And we're going to hone in on verse 16. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him. To reminisce. In Psalm 77, 11 through 12, it says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy works and talk of all thy doings. I want to highlight some of the things in John's writings. Imagine John with his brother and his father. They have a fishing company, and it's all he's known. And one day this man walks by and says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. A term that has probably never been said before. Fishers of men? And the question started arising, who is this man? Where is he bringing me? What is he doing? What is he? he starts off as a fisherman. Now, in three years, we see the crazy development of these disciples. I think of three years, and my son is three years three years and some change. And the time has flown by from where he couldn't say anything and he'd spit up on me to where he still mumbles and he still spits up on me. But three years are like that. It just flies by that these disciples were fishermen thinking, I'm going to take over my dad's business when he passes away. Probably going to find a nice wife, have some kids, and I'll pass it on to my son. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And then in three years, all of a sudden, they're at celebrity status. Hashtag the 12 apostles. Worldwide famous. Everybody knows them. If you want to get to Jesus, you've got to go through the disciples. Jesus empowers the disciples to go and do miracles. And then in three years, their leader is dead. And they're hiding and they're scared, and they're talking, and they're saying, what just happened? But that's not the end of the story, because Jesus shows up. Hey, guys, I told you this like a million times. But now I have to leave. But the Holy Spirit's coming, and now you go. Now all of a sudden, they're fishermen, celebrities, outcasts, now, all of a sudden, they're church leaders. And I can see the Apostle John, as he's getting older, sitting down at that table, laughing as he's writing, reminiscing on the stories as he writes in John. I was there when Jesus did this. He was walking on the water, and I said he was a ghost. He told me to have peace. I was there when he raised Lazarus. I was there when he fed the 5,000. I was there when he did this. And he's reminiscing and he's thinking, my God, look at where you've taken me. The journey that you've taken me on. The relationship that we've had. And then he gets to 1 John as he's writing. 
And I can see him almost with tears in his eyes writing this. That which was from the beginning, 1 John 1, 1 through 4, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we've seen it and bear witness and show unto you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things right with you, that your joy may be full. He says over and over again, I've seen him. I've heard him. Trust me and hear this, because if you hear these things, your joy will be full. If you understand what I've seen, if you've experienced where I once was on a boat, but the relationship took me, to a place that I've never been before, further than I've ever experienced, as he starts reminiscing about his salvation and the freedom. We go back to the military. I didn't join. I wasn't in there, but I've seen documentaries, so it's the same thing, kind of. Whenever, at least I know for the Marines, when they go to boot camp and they get off the, the buses, there are yellow footprints on the concrete. And at that time... You stand on that yellow footprint, and I'm assuming you don't move unless your new daddy tells you to move. But I'm thinking about this, that how many men and women have stood on those footprints? And they've all started in the same place, the same exact place they stood there. And they all had the opportunity to go as far as they wanted to in the military, to grow as much as they wanted to, to do whatever they wanted to do. Some people after the first year, some people after the first day said, no, not for me. Definitely not for me. Some people after a year, after two years, after ten years, some people were lifers. They stayed in the military forever. And then there's some men who made names for themselves that said, I'm going to take this opportunity right here, standing on the same footprints that everybody else has stood on, but I'm going to push this as far as I can. And we have men By the name of Patton, of Winters, of MacArthur, of Eisenhower, of Chesty Puller, of John Glenn. We have these men who stood on the same exact footprints as other men and other women. They said, I'm going to take this as far as I can. And I love that about John. John said, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. And I'm going to see how far I can push that love. I'm going to go as far as I can in this relationship. I think about my own life as I was writing this sermon. Dear Lord, we've got to land this thing. Here we go. Buckle in, guys. I think about my time here at One Cause. Oh, y'all don't even know the time. And then I said something. Now y'all are all mad. I can't believe it's 8 o'clock. I think about reminiscing and thinking about the relationship that I have with God and the things that he's done in my life. I think about two Thursdays ago, about two, three rows back during the first night of worship and prayer that Nathan's having and doing a great job with it, where God spoke to me about some things, that he reconfirmed some things that happened at CFNI. It's also a plug that tomorrow you should probably be here. Pray. God's here. He talks to you if you listen. I think about whenever we first got here and we were at the prophetic conference, 
and they called all the leaders up and said, uh, if you're a leader, you're going to prophesy over the people in the crowd. And I thought, uh, okay, like I've been here for a couple of hours, but here we go. And so me and my wife stood right here, and there was this older couple. I have no idea who they are. I don't think I've ever seen them since. And they got up, and they eyeballed me, and I tried to avoid it. Oh, Jesus, we worship you. And they were holding hands, and they came up to me, and they stood right in front of me. And I looked at Maddie and said, good luck, girl. And the woman pulls her phone out, opens her phone, and hits record, and essentially puts the whole phone in my mouth. And I said, dear Lord, what are you about to do? Because I have nothing. But as we started praying with that couple, God started speaking. And this prophetic word started flowing out of me and out of my wife. And I kind of one-eye it as they're crying, which is the universal sign that you are right. <laughs> God is moving. And I'm saying, turn up the volume, baby. Jesus is speaking. I think of many encounters that I've had sitting right here at this seat during worship and listening to Pastor Eric. I think of going back to Christ for the Nations and I can bring you to seats and spots in, in CF&I, in the IB. I can bring you to the sidewall where I took our youth group and I prophesied over my younger brother. I can bring you to the front of the IB where I was praying with one of our girls in the youth group and she instantly started speaking in tongues. I can take you to the sidewalk outside where I was praying with our youth and started giving words of knowledge and wisdom and prophesying over and over over all of them till one, two in the morning. I can, I can take you to sitting in the back part of the church in Louisiana, crying with my pastor, saying, I'm called to the ministry. I'm not going in the Air Force. I'm not taking the job with the federal system. And I'm, and I'm just openly weeping as he's laughing at me, saying, I knew that. I was just waiting on you to smarten up enough to go. And I was like, you could have told somebody. Let him know. I remember... When I was in high school getting baptized at Abundant Life by Brother Dole, I can remember being at the front of Abundant Life and this random woman praying over me and my brother. And I get slain in the spirit and fall down and get filled with the evidence of speaking in tongues at 10. I can remember at the age of three, August 27th, 1990, that I was laying in bed and we were praying for the salvation of my family. And I said, am I saved? My mom taught me about salvation, and I got saved that night. I remember that we had a trip to go. My dad was working in Florida, and we were homeschooled, so we got to go. And I asked mom and dad, me and my brother, I said, we want to go to Disney World. And mom and dad said, pray about it, which means we don't have the money. <laughs> I found that out. <laughs> I say that now. <laughs> Son, pray about it. And me and my brother started praying for it. And when we got there, after we drove from Louisiana to Florida, my dad's company said, we'll pay for your mileage, which got me and my whole family into Disney World, into MGM Studios, into Universal Florida, Universal Studios, and into NASA. That God answered a prayer. I've talked about this before. I remember when we had no food, and my dad was laid off, that people would knock on the door, and there'd be food. And I'd say, Mom, who's that from? And she'd say, Jesus brought us food. I remember before I even could remember 
and I was one years old, and I was having terrible ear infections, and my mom and dad kept bringing them to me to the doctor, and they, they said, well, we have to put tubes in it, but we have to get this ear infection down before we can put tubes in. So they're giving medication, and the doctor tells my parents, the thing that's wrong with your son, which they heard that many of times throughout their lives, <laughs> the thing that's wrong with your son is your ear, his ear canals are Cajun, and they just don't work. And they said they're not at the right degree. And because they haven't developed and they're not at the right degree, the fluid does not drain out of it. My mom and dad said, okay, we now have a name. We now have something that must bow at the name of Jesus. And they started praying. And the next time I went to the doctor, all of a sudden my ear canals moved up a degree, and I didn't have to get ear tubes. Because I reminisce about what he's done for me. I remember what he did. And it brings me back to the relationship to where now all of a sudden I can't help but say, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the praise and all the glory. Maybe tonight when you lay down tonight, you go on a little journey. You start reminiscing. It'll strengthen your relationship with God. Doesn't matter what you're going through. All of a sudden, you'll sit up a little bit stronger. If he healed me when I was one, he'll heal me when I'm 30. If he provided for me when I was this age, he'll provide for me when I'm 30. Reminisce. Whoa, we are landing the plane. Here we go, guys. Buckle up. Number two, view. We reminisce. Nope, number two, encounter. Bring it back. Number two, encounter. That in that moment when they're bringing Jesus in, they had no idea what was going on. But John says, after Jesus was glorified, after he left, he says, I remembered. I remembered that moment. And all of a sudden, it just all started coming together. I, I remembered these scenarios. I, I touched, I tasted, I feel, I, I experienced Jesus. And the next word is encounter. That they're in the middle of this moment, and they're encountering Jesus. Now, I go back to the stories of John, that John had these private encounters with Jesus, that he's on the mountain of transfiguration, that he's there at communion, the first time communion's ever done, that he's there in the garden, Jesus is pouring sweat, that he's there over and over again, and there's so many things that happened in the scriptures that we don't even know about that they just spent time together that they just spent time together in private. Over and over again, he's just having these private meetings with Jesus. He's there at communion, and he's the only disciple that is laying up upon Jesus. Because he's encountered him over and over and over and over again. And all of a sudden, when Jesus is dying on the cross, there is one disciple that is standing at the foot of the cross, and looking straight at his Savior, looking straight at the one who knows, out of everybody in the world, loves him the most. And he's got enemies all around him. He's got the Romans laughing. He's got the Pharisees. He's got all these people who know who he is and have the opportunity to kill him. But because he's had private encounters with Jesus, it doesn't matter what's happening in the public He's saying, I'm going to encounter you right here in this moment. 
I've encountered you in private. I've encountered you all over the place. But when I need you the most, I'm not getting away from you. I'm staying right next to you. As soon as he hears, the tomb's empty. He takes off running. You can read in the scriptures. He gets there before Peter. He says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to list a couple of sports stars that I know all of you will hate. But bear with me. Recently, I watched a documentary on Tom Brady. I thought if I watched it, it would make me hate him more. But somehow, it made me respect him a little bit more because he's 77 years old and he's still playing in the NFL. But they had this documentary on Facebook where it talked about him drinking this purple drink. I don't know what it is, but he puts a bunch of stuff in it, and he drinks it every day, every morning, every time they did the, he's working out, he's doing all these things over and over, and the cameras just followed him, and it wasn't like the camera showed up and he was like, oh, let me fix a purple drink, let me see. No, it was his routine. He goes out and he throws and he works out and he does all these things every day. The cameras just happen to show up. Another person that people love to hate would be Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. But there are many stories of Kobe Bryant traveling to different places, and he would call his trainer at 4, 3, 4 in the morning, and he'd say, come meet me at the gym. I need you to help me. And he said, by the time I would get to the gym, he was already soaking wet and had already shot 1,000 shots. Because behind the scenes... He was constantly preparing, constantly experiencing. So when he was there in the middle of the pressure, he could perform. I'm a huge Houston Astros fan, and we have stunk for so many years. He finally won the World Series. And I was following them on Instagram and some of the players, and I would have expected watching them on Instagram that in their Instagram videos or whatever, they would have been partying all throughout before this season started. But every one that I saw was them taking batting practice and them working out and them talking about baseball and them talking about this and talking about that because they were working out in private knowing that there was a higher calling. It's time for us to encounter Jesus in private, to have that relationship. When I drive to work, me and him talk. A lot of times, me and Jesus talk in the shower. It's where he talks to me the most. That's why I take a lot of showers. But when the pressure builds, and something happens, and you lose the job, some type of health crisis, a bill shows up, something happens, I don't freak out because I've been encountering him in the private. So in the public... I can stand up and say, but my God shall supply all of my needs. But how? My God shall supply all of my needs. But what about the diagnosis? No, by his stripes, I am already healed. But the doctor said, no, 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 by his stripes, because I've already encountered him in the private. I can stand up here in public. And lastly, view. We're landing it right now. Give me a couple more minutes, I promise. Look, I'll shut the Bible to give you all some uh, hope. To view that we see in this story that they didn't understand what was happening, that Jesus was coming in, sacrificial king was being brought in on the donkey. And he writes this 
story. It's like, I remember, now I remember. And it says in, in verse 16, they realized that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. That in this relationship, as they journeyed with him, all of a sudden these revelations started happening. Oh my goodness, that's what he meant. Oh, he is the Son of God. We see Peter. Who do people say that I am? He's been with them for a year, two years. Oh, you're the Christ. You're right. This revelation happens. The new viewing and understanding of who he is. In Ephesians 1, verse 17 through 19, Heather says this scripture all the time when she prays at the beginning of service, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of the mighty power. Now I go back to John. I think he writes the book of John. He writes 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Now, if I'm writing a final book, I mean, what else does John have to say? What else can he say about his Jesus? I wouldn't have wrote 20-something chapters of Revelation. I would have wrote a real short book. Listen, I've wrote four really, really good books so you're already buying those four bestsellers. I'm just going to throw in this last one. But the very last thing that John says in Revelation 22, 20, and 21, He which testifies these things saith, Surely I come quickly, amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The last verse, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. The beauty of this relationship that he gets a newer revelation of who Jesus is in the book called Revelation. Cool title, bro. <laughs> and he gets this vision of heaven. He's literally sat with Jesus. He's touched him. He's heard him. And now he's writing this revelation as he's talking about a brand new person of Jesus that he's never seen before. He's on a white horse. He's got tattoos. He's got knives coming out of his mouth. He's got eyes of fire. You would think he would have been able to describe all that he could about Jesus because he physically saw him. But the relationship, the deeper you go, the deeper the mercies, the deeper the riches, the deeper the understanding, the deeper the revelation of who Jesus is. He says, I see him sitting at the right hand of the Father. I see him with all the saints. I see him in glory. A new revelation, a new viewing of who he is. I told you all earlier that we got to go to Disney when I was a kid, and then a couple years back, I had, me and Maddie went to California for her sister's wedding, and... Um, we got to go to Disney on California's side. And I was just excited. My wife said it was probably the happiest she ever saw me. But, I mean, it's Disney. What are you going to do? You're going to eat a corn dog and get some Mickey ears. 
And so we went and we ran all over Magic Kingdom. Is that what it's called? Sure, why not? Disneyland, Disney World, whatever. We went and ran all over the place. We rode all the rides. We rode them multiple times. We didn't have our kid yet, so we were just running. I think we found out we were pregnant then, but we were running just through everything. We actually made jokes like, ha-ha, let's not ride this because it says you can't ride it if you're pregnant, but we rode it anyway. So <laughs> then we got home and found out, oh, she's pregnant. Whoops. So that might explain a little bit. <laughs> but then when we got back from, from Disney, um, you miss Disney so much you've got to read about Disney. And I started reading about Disney, and all of a sudden I started hearing that there was more to Disney than what we just experienced, that there were apps that you could play games on, that there are these, uh, all throughout Disney, there are these little Mickey Mouse symbols all over Disney. And there's like a game that you can go and find them. They're in bushes, and they're in rides, and they're just all over where you'll always see the little Mickey Mouse ears somewhere, some, somehow. I thought, wait a second, I, I just went all around Disney. I walked the entire park, but you're telling me that there's more? that I didn't know about. When I was in college, I went on a cruise. And me and four guys, we went on this cruise and just being idiots on the cruise, having fun, hanging out. And I came back, and I was talking to a friend who had been on many cruises. And he says, hey, but did you do this? I said, what do you mean did I do that? He said, well, did you get room service? You should get chocolate chip cookies every night and a glass of milk. It's the best cookies you'll ever had. I said, nobody told me about that. I said, there's room service? I said, I thought you'd just go and get pizza or eat at the buffet. No, there's room service, and it's free. And you ask for cookies every night. I said, oh, my God, I missed out on the cruise. <laughs> I walked that entire ship. I, I searched the entire ship, and now you're telling me that there's secrets on the cruise that I could experience. Because when you encounter Jesus... When you think that you've viewed everything that he has to offer, I'm telling you right now, read it one more time. Because he's so much deeper. There's so much more knowledge. There's so much more grace. There's so much more love that you can encounter when you view him. Because the relationship is forever. It goes on as deep as you want. It's the only thing in the world that's free. No strings attached. Just believe. And you can stand on those Christian yellow footprints with everybody else and make the decision today, I'm going to go all out. I'm going to get everything I can out of this Christian walk. I'm going to get as close to Jesus as I can. If Enoch can do it and can walk to heaven, that's a challenge for me. And I close with this. If we reminisce on our salvation story, if we encounter Jesus in our private daily lives and during our public problems, and we view His power and revelation in our lives, reminisce, encounter, view, R-E-V, then it'll rev up your relationship to go after Him. I want it to be said that the people of this world will say, Look how the whole world has gone after him. Look how Jeremiah Land has gone after him. Look how the Land family, Jeremiah, Maddie, and Noah, have gone after him. Look how One Cause Church has gone after him. Look at how his family, 
how his community, how his bank account, how his health, look at how he's gone after him is what I desire today and encourage you today. Reminisce about what he's done. Encounter him every chance you get. And the more you encounter him and the more you reminisce, the more he will reveal to you. Amen? Father God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be your son, to be your daughter. Thank you so much that you freely give to us. That all we have to do is ask and we can receive. All we have to do is knock and the door will be open. All we have to do is seek and it says you'll find. That if we draw near to you, that the exact thing that we need in our lives is that you'll draw near to us, Father. And we need you now more than ever. I need you in my life. I need you in my marriage. I need you in my family. I need you in my church. I need you in my finances. I need you in my brain. I need you in my body. I need you in all areas of my life. I don't want to walk through life. And none of us here want to walk through life with regret, wondering, could I have gotten closer to Jesus? What if I would have just believed one more time? What if I would have just asked one more time? What if I just would have... But today we choose, today to reminisce everything you've done for us. Today we choose to encounter you every opportunity that we have, encounter you in the private, encounter you in the public. And then we have the great opportunity of viewing you in a whole new light as we grow older with you in our lives. Father, bless these people. Cause them to prosper in everything they do, Father. Be with them, speak with them. As they lay down tonight, Father, remind them of you being their father and of you taking care and loving them and bring them back safely. Be with Pastor Eric and Heather as they are traveling. Keep them safe. Give them favor everywhere they go. Just bless them every opportunity that they have, that they have the best meals, they have the best experiences. They are just blessed over and abundantly as they go on vacation and they return back to us safely and refreshed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.